This morning, I want to speak to you from uh, Genesis chapter 21. We're going to read one verse, verse 3. And I want to read that from different translations. Genesis chapter 21. So if you do have your Bible, please just look at it and let's read it together. It reads as follows. Then Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba and there called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. In the Amplified Bible, it reads, Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Bathsheba and called there on the name of the Lord, the eternal God. I pray that God will bless the reading of his word. Amen. The one verse we've read is just an amazing verse that can only be fully understood when we give context to it. In Genesis 21, when we meet Abraham, a lot has happened in his life. He's been on a journey of about 25 years where he has encountered God. It started way back when God spoke to him. Then he was called Abram to come out of his country, to come out of his home, to a place that God will show him. Abram at that time wasn't really familiar with who God was. And he faithfully followed and learned on the way who God was. And so we meet him 25 years later as a man who had really, really struggled believing God. Maybe you can identify that in your own journey of faith that you've come through times when it really didn't look like it's all worth it, following God and trusting God. Abraham was in the same situation. We find him at a place where he had committed so many mistakes. And you know, sometimes when we commit mistakes, we make the assumption that God writes us off. It's such a sad thing sometimes when I listen to people talk in the way they just sort of conclude that because they have done such and such, God writes them off. Whereas when you read the Bible, I don't know of anybody in the Bible that God used that didn't commit a mistake. Well, some were almost near perfect. Their mistakes were not so serious. But there's a lot of these women and men whose backgrounds were really nothing to be proud of. Some of them, even when they were on the path of following God, their mistakes were major mistakes. And some of their mistakes were so major that they affected so many generations that follow. Abraham had come through 25 years of that. I don't know if you've been there where you look at your life and all you see in your life is the ups and downs of your life, the contradictions of your life. At times, you are at a certain level. At another time, you are at a certain level. Abraham at this time had been waiting for the promise of God. Of course, he had the promise of God, but in the 25 years, he, there was a time when even the promise that God had given, Abraham did not believe that it was going to come to pass. God had told him, 
I'm going to give you a child with your own wife by the name of Sarah. But somehow Abram doubted that and ended up getting a child with Hagar. This was with the agreement of him and his wife. So Abram had struggled trusting God's promise of having a child. Secondly, on two other occasions, this man had lied about his wife. He had visited certain lands wherein when the king saw his wife, Sarah, because she was so beautiful, Abram reasoned in his mind that if the king finds out that this lady is my wife, I'm sure the brother is going to kill me and take her for his heroine. And so the best thing he decided to do is, let me just say, she's not my wife, she's my sister, so that then they can just have her and spare me. Think about that. I mean, really, Abraham, eh? selling off your wife, doing all that just to protect yourself. This is really not a story or a background or a happening of somebody who's supposed to be a hero of faith. It's an amazing thing. He is doing this for self-preservation. This is the same man the Bible tells us he is the father of faith. I'm just saying that just to show you he was no perfect man. On two different occasions, he lied. So we can safely say even the things that God did in Abraham's life, it wasn't because the brother ticked all the boxes. God did it because of what I'm going to be discussing with you. The same thing that God wants to do in your life. So in spite of all his indiscretions, God somehow sovereignly brought about his promise. And what was the promise? The promise of the birth of Isaac and the promise of so many other things. So when we find Abraham in Genesis 22, this man is so overwhelmed, Genesis 21 rather, this man is so overwhelmed by God because he notices God is a covenant making and a covenant keeping God. And our scripture says, and Abraham called on the name of God. So that's what I want to talk about. Calling on the covenant keeping and covenant making God. You can call upon that same God and that same God can show mercy and grace upon your life. So Abraham then overwhelmed by what God has done. The Bible says Abraham then he made a covenant with God. And what does he do? He plants a tree and calls upon the name of the everlasting God. He makes a sacrifice. He does all that's needed. And then he plants a tree and calls on the name of the everlasting God. Now, here's what is interesting. It is the first time in the Bible that we read this name of God called everlasting God. It's actually the first time that Abraham uses this name of God. He had called God other names in the past, but this time he calls God everlasting God. That's how it's translated in the English. He uses this designation of everlasting God. Very interesting. This expression everlasting God, this name everlasting God in the Hebrew is spelled Olam Olam. O-L-A-M O-L-A-M. Olam Olam. And it's an interesting name that Abraham is using 
Because remember what we said the last time about names, that names reveal character. Names tell a story. Just like African names, Hebrew names tell a story. When you hear a name, you know the story, you know the history, you know the event. Names as well speak of character, the demeanor of somebody. You see, and because when a name is given, it's given to be a befitting description on the one that is given to. So Abraham had called God by all other names except this name, Everlasting God. Now, this name, Everlasting God, or Olam Olam, really means a number of very interesting things. It means something that is properly concealed, or it talks about the vanishing point, or generally something that is out of mind, something that is past, and something that is in the future. So to really try and understand, one of the nearest words, I think, to describe this is it practically speaks of eternity. All right? It speaks of eternity. Or oh, this word, olam olam, talks about something that is there always. Or something from an ancient time. Something that has continuance. Something that is lasting. Something that is more of old, something lasting from a long time, that old time, or that word olam, olam, very difficult to describe. It speaks of something that is perpetual at any time, or it speaks of the beginning of the world without end. So what Abraham is really saying is a very loaded statement. He looks at God. He looks at his life. He looks at his, his indiscretions. He looks at his journey. And he sees how God has come through for him. And he said, of all the names that I can call you, I want to call you everlasting God. Olam, Olam. Abraham is saying, when I look at you, God, you are the God who is outside of time. The God who has no beginning. The God who was there when the beginning began. And you are the God who will be there on the other side of the end. When the end becomes the end, you will be on the other side of the end. So you are a God who owns time. You are a God who doesn't live inside of time, but you are the one who created time. When I look at me, I'm a human being who's limited, a human being who has indiscretions, a human being whose life is filled with contradictions, a human being who's up one day, down another day. I trust one day, I don't trust another day. I'm full of faith and confidence one day, tomorrow I'm filled with fear. And yet you, Olam Olam, you come through for me. So Abram makes a covenant with God and he plants a tamarisk tree. I'm going to talk about that. So he calls upon the name of Olam, Olam, and he plants a tamarisk tree. Everything that Abram is doing is very important for you and for me. It speaks prophetically of a number of things. Abram is being very, very symbolic in what he's doing because you also can call upon the name of 
the everlasting God. Right where you are, in this time of challenge and difficulty, in this time when you look at your life, maybe you've made decisions you don't like, in this time when you may be confused as to where to go with your life, there is olam olam in whose hands your life belongs. There's a God who's outside of time, who knows everything about your journey. He knows what you're going to do tomorrow. He knows what you did yesterday. He knows what you're going to do next year. He knows what might come upon you that might attack you, that may come when you're not expecting it. He is olam olam and he is ready and is willing to interact with you and do something amazing in your life. So Abraham calls upon the name of the everlasting God, Olam Olam. And then he plants a tamarisk tree. What is a tamarisk tree? And what is it used for? Let me describe for you. A tamarisk tree is actually an evergreen shrub. We have it here on the African continent and in Eurasia. We are told that this tamarisk tree can be used for medicine. People take this tamarisk tree and they use it as medicine for liver problems. When people have hepatitis, they take this tamarisk tree. It's also used to treat fever and kidney disorders. It's a very interesting tree because it has healing properties. Abraham plants this tree. Remember, he is now celebrating or memorializing his covenant with God. Abraham is saying, I want to mark this spot and mark this time in history because I want to forever remember the everlasting God. I want to always remember. I don't want to forget who God is and what he came through as in my life. I want to forever remember. So I want to plant something physical that every time when I look at it, I will remember this journey in my life. You know, sometimes we need to remember. I was thinking about it. I can tell you one thing. Next year, this time, I would love to remember the seven-day, 24-hour prayer. I know when we look back a year later, things will be so different. Life will be so different. We can remember swimming through the rough seas. We will remember going through the storm. We will remember the God who was able to be with us in the ship, in the boat, as it was tossed to and fro, and he helped us steady, and he kept us, and he saved us. And so we can memorialize this time and remember what God has done. Abraham says, I don't want to forget Olam Olam. I don't want to forget this God who's outside of time. I want to plant a tamarisk tree. Now, we are told that a tamarisk tree, as I said to you, it's an evergreen tree. Evergreen, and it speaks of something that's alive all the time. It's a life-giving tree. It's a tree that doesn't dry up. It is ever alive. You see, when you come in contact with Olam Olam, Olam Olam will impart life into your life. Even when you go through dry seasons and difficult seasons, Olam Olam will come through for you and he will make rivers to flow in the desert. See, it is God who is able to make water come out of the rock. It's God who is able to give you manna in the middle of the desert. It's only Olam Olam who can give you shade in the midst of a desert. Only Olam Olam who can give you fire in the midst of the desert in the evening so that you are warmed. This Olam Olam 
make sure that things stay ever alive and ever green. And that's the God we need to call upon. That's the God we need to raise our hands to. That's the God that we need to look up to because he's the only one who's able to do things in our life. Secondly, we are told that this tamarisk tree grows slowly. It's not a fast tree. It's a slow-growing tree. But even if it grows slowly, it sinks its root deep into the ground all the way down to the water table. Listen to this. Abraham is saying, this Olam Olam, our knowledge of him grows slowly. You know, one of the things, if you really want to know God, you must understand that your revelation of God comes in slowly. You get to know God as you experience him through the journey of life. This is what God told Moses. When Moses said, God, you have brought me here with all these people, but you haven't told me whom you're going to send with me, and you haven't even shown me your glory. How am I going to do your work? And God said, Moses, if you want to see my face, you will not live. I will hide you in the cleft of the rock, and I will show you my back parts. And then he says, my presence will go with you. And in the Hebrew, it means my faces will go with you. This is what God is saying, telling Moses. Moses, I am too much for you to comprehend in one sitting. You will never know me just in one year, just in one day, just in one experience. You have to live the fullness of life to discover different sides of me. And when you start getting to know God that way, even if your faith in God is growing slowly, even if you are learning different things about God at different times, your faith, its roots go really deep. You get to that point where you trust God because you've seen God in times of sickness and disease, how he brought you through. You have seen God in times when you were lacking food, how he brought you through. You have seen God in times of a pandemic, how he brought you through. You have seen God when your family was going through strife, how he brought you through. You have seen God when you lost a job, how he brought you through. You have seen God when you were confused, how he brought you through. You have seen God when people turned their backs on you, how he brought you through. You have seen God when people said you will never amount to anything, how God brought you through. And so you have seen God here, you have seen God there, and every time you see another side of God, your faith grows deeper and deeper and deeper because God is Olam Olam. He is the everlasting God. I heard one preacher say, and I loved it, he's actually passed on. He said, you know, when he read the book of Revelations and when he read other portions of scripture and they reveal what happens in heaven, he noted something that he was very worried about. That the Bible says that the angels in heaven and the elders in heaven keep crying out to God, saying, holy, 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 bowing down, holy, holy. And he said, but you know, I just wonder, I mean, these brothers, these guys, they keep saying the same thing. I mean, don't they get bored? Doesn't it get to a point where it's all monotonous because they keep saying the same thing? He said, I know they would get bored because I know my members get bored to say the same thing. He said, then when he read one day, he noticed something that he wasn't aware of. 
that because God is so many things, God is so much. When he spoke to Moses, when Moses says, who shall I say you are? God said, just tell them, I am has sent you. Because you see, I am so many things. He says, well, I realize now that probably as the elders look upon God and the angels look upon God and they see his majesty and they see his glory and they see a side of his character that they don't know and they are overwhelmed by him and because of being so overwhelmed, they just fall on their faces and they cry out, holy. And when they come back up, then God shows them another side that they haven't seen before. And it just blows their mind and they cry out again, holy, and they bow down. And, and when they come up and they see another side of God and they cry out, holy, God is so many things. So Abram, he is saying, I'm planting this tree because my faith in God grows slowly as I get to see another side of Olam Olam. And my faith in him grows strong. Think about it, my friend. You've seen Olam Olam in your life. Go back in your mind to those times when you thought you're not going to make it. Olam Olam provided for you. Oh, we can celebrate and thank him this morning. We can bless him and worship him. Because here you are. You've woken up this morning when others haven't woken up. We can cry out, holy. Here you are, you have food on the table. When others don't have food on the table, we can cry out, holy. Here you are, you have your mind right, your mind in place. When others have lost their minds, you can cry out, holy. Even if you may have lost loved ones, you are still here. It's Olam Olam who's able to save us, who's able to bless us. So let your faith be strong in him. Let your faith sink roots deep in the ground, all the way down to the water table, the water of the word of God, the water that is able to sustain us, the water that Jesus said, when we drink of that water, we will never thirst again. When we drink of that water, our lives will never be the same again. Let your roots go deep into Olam Olam. We are told, thirdly, that this tree doesn't really have leaves, but gray, green, needle-like leaves, like pine needles. And this tamarix tree, we are told, it provides shade as a pleasant coolness. We are told that at night, moisture increases in the cool air, and water vapor adheres on these needle-like things because they, get, they have salt that comes out of them. And so the water particles adheres to this. And in the morning, tiny droplets appear on these thin branches. And as the morning sun warms the air, the water droplets begin to evaporate and they cause the shade of this tree to be very cool. Oh, that's Olam Olam. When he will ensure that the sun doesn't burn you. When he will ensure, even when things are hard, you can sit under the shadow of the Almighty. See, when we dwell in the secret place of the Most High, when we dwell in the shadow of the Almighty God, then God is able to protect us. So all these things that Abraham doing, he's carrying this very powerful symbol of who 
Olam Olam is. Now, here's what is also very interesting. When he planted this tamarisk tree, he was making a covenant with God. We are told that a tamarisk tree, because it is a slow-growing tree, the people who plant that tree understand that they may never live to sit under the shadow of that tree. So when you plant the tamarisk tree, you are actually setting a timeless time there. You are saying, I'm making a covenant with God, which not only starts now and ends now, but it is an eternal covenant. When you plant a tamarisk tree, you are saying, I'm starting a journey that those who come after me will walk in the footsteps of the journey that I've started. So a tamarisk tree speaks to us of commitment. So Abraham is planting this tamarisk tree to express his commitment to God and God's commitment to him. You see, God is committed to you and committed to your journey. Abraham plants this tamarisk tree as a memorial because now he's saying, much as my start was not good, I started in a bad way, but I am recommitting myself to Olam, Olam. Abraham now, at this time, he has the, a son that God has promised. He has peace with his neighbors. He has water for his physical life, even if he's in the desert. He looks around, he says, this God is committed to me, and this God is committed to his promise. This God is able to keep his promise. So Abraham's life is filled with blessings. So he's, he's planting this plant with an understanding that we, we, I know that God's covenant is everlasting. So he is saying, I'm learning something about Olam Olam. He's a God who's outside of time and he's a God who understands everything about my life. I like what he's saying. He's saying, even though I have not been faithful, Olam Olam has been faithful. He's saying, even if I am outside of time and I may not know what's coming in my life tomorrow, the one in whose hands my life belongs knows about tomorrow. He knows about my future. Therefore, my life is safe in the hands of Olam, Olam. Abraham is saying, this God, when all hope is gone, he will give you a child by the name of Isaac. Remember, the name Isaac means laughter. Abraham is saying, I am making a covenant with this God because this God is able to bring laughter in times of sadness. Remember, Abraham and Sarah had expected a child and when all hope was gone, the angel appears to Abraham and starts talking to him. And when the angels appear to Abraham and when God appears to Abraham in the form of angels, Sarah is listening on the other side of the room. And the, the angels say, next year, by this time, your wife will bear a son. And when Sarah overheard it, she laughed. And the angel said, well, you'll call the boy's name Isaac. And the name Isaac means laughter. See, Olam Olam is able to bring a smile on your face and laughter. It's a prayer of my heart that those of you 
who have been going through pain, through disappointment, through difficulties of life, Olam Olam will put a smile on your face and he will give you laughter. It might not be laughter in a sense that you will laugh out loud, but may he wipe away your tears in this journey that you are in. So when Abram called on the name of Olam Olam, the Bible tells us he built an altar and he offered sacrifice. He sacrificed for his sins. In other words, Abraham was memorializing his recommitment to God. He was making this commitment to God to say, God, I'm aware. Even if I'm doing all kinds of wrong things, even if I'm a sinful man, I turn to you in my wrong, in my sin, and I know you will forgive me because you are a God who makes promises. You are a God who keeps promises. In fact, when I look at my life, I see my life filled with blessings. Isn't it amazing that Ezekiel, who lived about 1,500 years later, makes a similar comment about God in Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 21 to 22. He says, if a wicked man turns away from all the sins he has committed and keeps all my decrees and does what is just and right, he will surely live, he will not die. None of these offenses he has committed will be committed, remembered against him. Isn't it amazing that Ezekiel refers to this, that even if you've sinned, when you turn back to God, God will be able to forgive you. And so I want to ask you, call upon Olam Olam, the covenant-making, the covenant-keeping God. Call upon God on behalf of your family. Call upon God on behalf of your home. God understands our indiscretions. He understands the contradictions of our life. Even though we're not faithful, he is faithful. Even though we haven't kept our word, he will keep his word. Even though we haven't always walked humbly before him, if we come to him with a humble heart and we say, God, I acknowledge my wrong, Olam Olam will be able to come through for you. Listen what he says in Jeremiah 33 verse 3. He said, call unto me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things which you know not. Call upon God, he will answer you. Call upon God, he will come through for you. The psalmist said, when he thinks about Olam Olam, in Psalms 121 from verse 1, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence my help comes. My help comes from the Lord, which made the heaven and earth. He will not suffer your foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by night, nor the moon by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil, and he will preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out. Thy coming in from time forth and even forevermore. I believe that if you can think deeply about God today and commit yourself to Olam Olam, 
There's ample evidence in scripture that God wants a people fully committed to him because he wants to show himself as an olam olam, the covenant making, the covenant keeping God. He says to you, commit your ways to the Lord and whatever you do and all your plans to the Lord and he will come through for you. You know why? Because 2 Chronicles 16, 19 says, the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Olam Olam is waiting for you to call upon him. Olam Olam wants to come through for you as a faithful God, as a covenant-keeping God. He wants to keep your life evergreen, ever-flowing, ever-blessed. Even if you go through difficulties, he wants to stretch out his hands towards you. He's not a God who has forgotten about you. He's aware of you in your corner. He's aware of you in your hiding place. Will you do what Abram did? Will you call upon his name? Will you raise your hands, raise your voice, call upon his name, and God will bring you through. Call upon him in your bed of sickness. Call upon him in your house that's filled with strife and confusion. Call upon him in the midst of your need for food. Call upon him in the midst of fear in these days of COVID-19. Call upon him for his eyes are on you. Don't worry about how your life was. Don't worry about the fact that you didn't, you were not able to score 10 out of 10. He is the eternal God. He is a God who's outside of time. He knows your beginning. He knows your end. He knows who you are. Call upon him and he will answer you. I would like to take this opportunity now to pray with you at home. As you've been listening to the word, maybe you have decided to say, I really want Jesus to come into my heart to be the Savior and the Lord of my life. I want to pray with you now and I ask you to follow me in the prayer. And after I've prayed with you, I'm going to lead you into other prayers as well. Will you join in with me as we pray? Let us pray. Follow me, please, and pray out loud as you invite Jesus. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you just as I am. I invite Jesus Christ to come into my heart to be the Savior and the Lord of my life. Thank you for hearing my prayer and for coming into my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to take just a few minutes just to pray for you at home that God will touch you and also pray for our nation as we're going through this challenging time. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for this, your child. I pray for those who are sick. Touch them, those who are discouraged, those who feel fear. Let them know that your presence is close to them. You will never leave them. You will never forsake them. Reach out to them, Lord, and touch them with your life. We also pray for our nation. Thank you that you've carried us that even in these rough seas, you are there to see us through. I pray for this land. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.